Alright peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems, lots of realistic fight scenes, lots of if Betty Ting Pei gave you a headache tablet, would you take it? Let's get to it. And every day, I practice martial arts. Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? I'm good, Sifu. I'm good. You good? I'm we always good. good. I'm always good. I'm a bit exhausted. But Why are you exhausted? Is, what happened? I moved furniture for about 12 hours yesterday. You moved furniture for 12 hours? Roughly. By yourself? Well, like big two-man team, three-man team. Couches and sofa and bits. Like that, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Thank you, you, Mikey D. No worries. Why would you How did the mic move? Roughly? Why wouldn't you do it like you, correctly? You, you know what I, you know what I, why would he move furniture <laughs> roughly? You know what I wish Dre would move? The mic in front of his face when he <laughs> talks, right? You are asking a bit much. Yeah. Mikey Dean made an interesting observation yeah. about hip hop people, of which you are a former hip hopper-ish. Hip hopian. Hip hop. Not being able to know how to, not knowing how to use mics properly. Hip hopster, right? yeah. Because, you know, for, for a long hold them, she's like, yeah. <laughs> Yes. For longtime fans of the uh, podcast, you may have noticed that <laughs> Dre Dre always puts his mic somewhere off to the side and then starts talking and then moves his head a lot <laughs> in directions away from the microphone. All right. On top of the fact that head he movement. also you taught me he he often uh, describes a lot of things visually, forgetting that uh, you know more than half of our audience listens to this podcast. He'll be like, "Yo," and then he'll wave his hands around. And uh, lose half of our audience there. So anyway, here we are with another AMA. We just recently did uh, the Yip Man history. I got through part one, so we'll we'll eventually get to part okay. two. Okay, and uh, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. And we, yeah. we for an hour and fifteen minutes, we didn't even get out of hmm. you know Yip Man coming to Hong Kong in nineteen forty nine yet, right? Hmm. And that's the point of the part of the story that we know the the least about and somehow I managed to eke out an hour and 15 minutes of content basically saying I don't know what happened uh, during this time but, but I'm going to keep talking no, I'm keep going. so here we go there. so what do you got for me today we're going to go into my man uh, Wing Chun Naven 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 or Navan mm -hmm. it's a weird name though I never knew anyone named Wing Chun actually like, yeah this is really cool Mr. Naven you got to love it. Wing Chun Naven. Went down to, yeah. <laughs> went down, uh, either he was named this in, in, in when he was born, or right. he just went and changed that shit. Could be. All it's right, so what do we got? Change it. What so, do you ask? I think we can all agree that m the most realistic fight scene ever filmed was in Bridget Jones' diary. <laughs> yeah, so that's more of a comment than a question, but I'm going to have to say... That is um, a comment, yes. This is piggybacking most likely off of the Kung Fu Hustle episode oh, we yeah. did a little bit back where uh, someone had complained that their problem with Kung Fu Hustle is that it wasn't realistic. Yeah. Uh, to which I retorted that there are no realistic <laughs> Kung Fu movies. And if, you're what, if, if you want to watch realism in films, mm. then those films are going to be really disappointing because I'm going to tell you something, Dre. The most realistic film, mm. or I should say the most realistic fight scene in a film, is that fight scene in Bridget Jones' <laughs> Diary, okay? All right? Hugh Grant versus Colin Firth, all okay. right? And you know what's weird? Normally, I wouldn't remember the name of those two chaps, right? Is that what you say, Mikey chaps. D? Chaps. Chaps, right? 
um, because I haven't seen them in much lately, if not for the fact that uh, this film was recently shown at my house again. So what? so it was playing. Random? And I happened to watch that part. Wow. And so it's really, uh, uh, it's really quite a coincidence that mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Naven uh, asks this question here because okay. it's fresh in my oh, mind. Made this because comment. But yeah, because I yeah made this comment because I I just watched this fight scene not two three weeks ago right oh, and wow. um, uh, Carol said uh, you know wow this is like this is so messy when they're fighting and I said this is actually what a fight looks like <laughs> um, and it's and you know for so people who messy. don't know uh, well one you can just go on YouTube and and look like Bridget Jones diary fight or mm-hmm. Hugh Grant Colin Firth fight. And there's a fight scene. Basically, they're both fighting. I, I don't know. It's a chick flick. I don't remember the details. They're all the right. same. They're, 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 both, they're both fighting for, I don't know, for, for Renee Zellweger. All right? And um, they basically get into a fight out in the street. Now, neither one of them are martial artists, nor tough guys, nor athletic, right? Uh-huh. And so what ensues is, in my opinion, a very realistic portrayal of what happens when two people actually try to beat each other up. And I would, and I'll even go so far as to say, even people with martial arts training, yeah, could end up looking exactly like these two guys look in this fight scene, right? Oh, right. Because what you see is, you know, kind of wild swings, and you see a weird escalation where someone hits the other guy. The other guy wasn't expecting it, uh-huh. and then the other guy comes back in rage, and then they're kind of grappling and tussling, but because they are not grapplers. They hold on to each other with no aim. Mm-hmm. You know, if a grappler gets a hold of your waist or takes your back, they're going to do something with that. They're going to drag uh-huh. you down to the ground. They're going to put you in a choke. They're going to use it to do a throw. But you see when people don't have any martial arts skill, when they grapple, they're just holding on because we're we're primates that like to grab onto things. But mm-hmm. because they don't have any techniques, it kind of doesn't go anywhere. Like they're holding on, but there's no like... Okay, now what are you gonna do? And then it like they'll fall down, and then you see them throw these kind of kicks at each other, <laughs> which are like kicks. way out of distance and they're awesome like very kicks. shittily executed, yeah. right? And I'll tell you, all right, that is actually a realistic fight scene. I've seen a, uh, at right? least ten of them in my yeah, time. Yeah, because y- you know, especially from from you know your other jobs like working at the clubs and stuff, when yeah. two people go at it, whether alcohol is involved or not. It kind of ends up looking like that, right? No, these are just with my boys. Uh-huh. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Growing up. Yeah, sure. And because that, that's that's kind of what it is, right? Mm. So, you know, in that Kung Fu Hustle episode where, you know, I kind of I kind of got salty about someone who said Kung Fu Hustle was cartoony and not realistic. Mm. Um, and, you know, I went on to say, like, look, name one Kung Fu movie that's realistic, right? And then some of the comments talked about, uh, you know, movies like the Raid movies, which is yeah. Indonesian films, and the and Raid. you know, Kung Fu Raid Killer, and and but I would say those films mm-hmm. are not realistic; they are hard hitting. All right, they are. so so like for example, if you look at uh, okay. Yip Man One, where he's fighting the ten black belts. Yeah. All right, that's a really hard hitting scene. It's violent. You see how he smashes the face of that guy at the end, and mm. it's bloody, and he's breaking knees, and that is really, really hard hitting. But that doesn't mean that that's realistic. Mm. You see what I mean? So, like, I, I think I think we almost need to, if if we really want to go down this path of having this argument of realism in fight scenes, uh, I think you need to categorize fight scenes in like in terms of like 
fantasy combat, mm-hmm. all right, which mm-hmm. I would argue is the lion's share of not just kung fu movies, but just films in general, all right? Okay. The Born Identity, those kind of things. You have Hard Hitting, which is like the choreography is really impactful. Okay. Where like when you when people get hit, there's like a lot of blood and it's very it's a little on the gory side and you know, those films like The Raid and and there, there was a there was another one like The Night Comes for Us or something like that. I forget the title. I think that's the title of it. it's like ultra ultra violence. Hmm. And also like um uh not the last Rambo, but the previous Rambo was like Oh, yeah. Is that the one where he's in Burma? Yes, yes, yes. So I would categorize those like ultra-violent films as like hard-hitting, ultra-violent, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean realistic. Realistic. Okay? okay. Um, so because that, that that's still, in my opinion, another notch. And then you have, so you have kind of fantasy combat, and then you have hard-hitting. Now, mind you, a lot of hard-hitting stuff is also fantasy combat. So there's obviously crossover between those two categories. And then the third category would be realistic right and i'm sorry mm. if we're, that category is a very lonely category you have bridget jones diary and then for the longest time there was a movie i saw back in the day i think this movie's from the 90s uh-huh. it was called once were warriors yeah and that's got tamira morrison tamira morrison who's boba fett it's a great film and for the longest time i remember uh i saw that film in germany and one of my seeing said hey like the fight scenes in here are really realistic all right um and to a certain degree, they are pretty realistic because they're hard hitting. There's not a lot of flash. Okay. And um, and they're very violent, right? But uh, I remember when I first saw it, I was like, wow. First of all, it's a really good film, all right? Independent of the, of the, the violence, fight scenes. right? Okay. Uh, um, and but it's it's you know there's there's a lot of it's it's kind of a rough film. It's not it's not fun family watching. No. There, there, there's you know like domestic violence and and suicide and stuff like that. It, it's a uh, it's it's um. It's it's not a fun Saturday movie, all right? Um, and the fight scenes are really hard-hitting. And I remember when I saw it, I was like, wow, it's very rare to actually see something like that because the violence is not cartoonized. It's not fantasized. It's it's really hard-hitting. But then I just recently rewatched it, and I go, hard-hitting but not realistic, all right? Because uh, there's like, uh, for example, I mean, spoiler alert, it's an old-ass movie. There's a fight scene where um, he finds out that, like, his boy had done something inappropriate to one of his family members. Mm-hmm. And he decides to beat the living stuffing out of this guy in a bar. Okay. All right? And it's like, you know, head smashing on, like, on the bar and, like, kicking the dude when you he's You never down. see that in a real fight. No, no. Actually, you you do Where see stuff go- like that. <sighs> yeah, like like you know people p- people running into stuff. Okay. You know, like you know you know someone getting someone trying to get and away and getting stomped on the ground. Oh, right? stomps! You see. So so that stuff was really realistic. But okay. there was a there was a part where like they were like five guys trying to hold him back, mm-hmm. and he basically just shook them off and then uh, kept beating the guy up. And I go that. That's where we got out of the realistic. That's where All right. left. Okay. Yeah, and I don't have a problem with that. There seems to be a, a, a contingency of fight bros or martial arts people that are like, oh, if the fight scene is not realistic, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to see CGI. And I'm not a big fan of CGI and martial arts stuff, but like they don't want to see anything that's somewhat fantasized, right? And I go, well... If you really want to see realistic combat, then you, then go watch Bridget Jones's Diary. Go watch that one mm-hmm. scene, um, because even once we're warriors, as hard hitting as it is, that's still not realistic. It it I mean it portrays violence in a very gritty way, 
Um, but I wouldn't say it's 100% realistic, mm. all right? Um, I would say it's mostly realistic, okay? Yeah. There's just a couple little bits in there, like in the bar scene, where like you're not gonna shake off five dudes kind of holding <laughs> you back, right? Other than that, I would actually say Once World Warriors is mostly realistic. Hmm. Then there's Bridget Jones's Diary, all right? Then there's the first Austin Powers. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, no, and then like, and then if you really think about it, when you, when you look at what fights actually look like, um, whether they're between people who know martial arts or not, I mean, talking about actual fights, not talking about martial art contests, mm -hmm. not talking about uh, Kimbo Slice backyard boxing. Right? right, right, right. Talk about just like fight fights, assaults, Was those kind drunk, of things. Drunk. Uh, oh yeah, look, I was, when I used to work at the club, I remember once just, I was just on my phone doing something and then I got knocked, a fight happened right next to me. Yeah, in and the DJ booth. No, 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 oh. I was actually just out, the, the upstairs was shut, so I was just on the stairs. Uh -huh. Fight happened next to me and like I got pulled into it and very, very stupidly, I just turned around and cracked whoever did it to me, right? <laughs> oh no. Not realizing that oh, it no. was one of our regular customers uh, who might be a bit well connected. He used to be an enforcer for like a uh, organized crime. Oh no. Now luckily he you didn't cracked an enforcer. He didn't he, he, he cracked me back, right? <laughs> okay. Now, and then I was like, okay, I'm getting out of this. I hope he didn't realize it was me because we were on really good terms. But what? the point is is that like the the thing was he some guy had like come into their table and touched his girlfriend inappropriately. Okay. He was a big spender, so we... As opposed to touch his girlfriend appropriately. appropriately yeah, right, yeah. Right. yeah, that's absolutely fine, right? But, like, you know, it was a big spender, so, like, he was one of our clients who we wanted to keep on side. Like, it's one of those awful hospitality things where any other bar, you just kick him out, right? right. But, like, no, no, we've got to be nice, right? And he's beating oh, the man. living F out of this guy. Oh. And it ain't pretty. But this guy, he knows three different styles. He trains all the time. That's his job. And then in an actual fight scene, when he's just really just angry, he's just pummeling the dude. Right. Mm. You know, but then you'd see that sort of thing on something like McDojo Life and all of those idiots. You're like, well, why isn't he using any of his styles? That's not right. realistic. <laughs> right, because this shit is real. Yeah. You know, when they, uh, we had a call, I had a call over the radio. <laughs> code red, code red, dance floor. You run to the dance floor. And this we is got a, a disco club. emergency. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Yo, actually, there was a disco ball there, too. And. These are some high ceilings, mm -hmm. metal fans. Okay. And I swear, I, I saw this guy do the most genius thing anyone has ever done. He took a bottle, like maybe a Heineken bottle, threw it up in the air to the fans, uh -huh. smashed the bottle, and it wow. <laughs> literally brought all the broken glass all over everyone. Everyone's like, oh, but the brawl was happening. We couldn't do anything. Because we had broken glass and he kept throwing bottles. We were like, what? We can't Whoa. get over it. Yeah, it was crazy. Because we were worried about the glass. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Genius. That's crazy, right? Genius yeah. dude. Yeah, I mean, but I think... not realistic. Yeah, not realistic. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow it happened in the real world, but it wasn't realistic. Unrealistic. Right? You don't yeah, see I mean, that like, anywhere. People don't realize like just what, how dangerous actual fights are and how difficult they are to manage when someone is Ooh. resisting you. you. We're not talking about... We're not having a jiu-jitsu match on a mat. We're mm -hmm. not having a kickboxing match. We're not having a sparring match. This is like punches, kicks, people trying to grab you, you're on uneven surfaces, you're when you're not wearing athletic clothes, there's mm. all sorts of things that like I think people don't take so into consideration. Many factors, right? Yeah. Um I remember a a very long time ago, um there was someone who practiced martial arts. Yeah. And this person was um a bit of a hothead. 
And uh, what was weird is that this person was in their 40s. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm in my 40s now. I was not in my 40s back then. I was much younger. Yeah, we tend and to calm down when we get into You tend like to calm down, right? Yeah. This person seemed to have done the opposite, you know? Oh. When you hit Amp your when you hit your midlife crisis, as I have, <laughs> all right, yeah. as, yeah. as all three Shout of us have, right, midlife all right. Crisis. What do uh, what do we do? Okay, Mikey Dean becomes mm-hmm. a rock star co-host of the most amazing kung fu podcast oh, yeah. ever. All that's, right. what, that's what we do. Um, he also dyed his hair pink like a few weeks ago. Oh, I remember this. All right. Yes. Okay, that's the kind of stuff. Mikey Dean does in his uh, midlife, crisis. midlife crisis. What do what you do? do? I do? You get your driver's license and get a Mercedes. Oh yeah, that's All right. right. That's that right. is a now Lexus. You, that yeah, is what I, a, yeah. <laughs> no, we got a Mercedes. I wanted to right? get a Lexus, but I, I told so you not to. Right? Okay, don't. I couldn't don't, find one. For, don't for spend my that range. much money on a Toyota, please. I don't care if they call <laughs> it a Lexus. All right. Find one. It's a what? What is a Lexus called in yeah. Japan? It's called a Toyota because <laughs> yeah. that's what it is. All right. I still love them though. And what did I do? I um. I don't know. I created my own podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I got a pretty slick ass sports car oh, as well, yeah. right? Okay. So yeah, look, I get it. I get mm-hmm. midlife crisis, right? So anyway, this martial artist in his midlife crisis decided that the thing that he was going to do was get into fights because mm. apparently he had not he really get gotten into fights. Into it. Almost a, like as a twenty-year-old. Yeah, it's almost like the uh, plot of Fight Club kind of thing, right? Okay. And um, I had warned this individual not to to do that. All right. Especially mm. because this individual um, was married and also, you know, had a family and stuff. It's like, you know, maybe this isn't the thing to, to do. But, but uh, this this person was uh, very difficult to communicate with. Mm. All right. And so this person decided to get a job in security at a club. Yeah. And uh, this but not not for the idea of this is the job they want to do, but for the idea of this is a potential avenue to get into a fight. <laughs> As a hired security person, which of course oh, you know because no. you were in that industry, right? You know, yeah, like the, this is the wrong, the wrong thing because your job is not to get into is, fights. No, no. no, it's the opposite. Oh, damn. Right? So uh, this person uh, started working for a club, I believe it was in Brooklyn. Yeah. And um, uh, there, somebody, you know, tried to come into the club, and this person was. Uh, being a bit problematic and normally you either don't let that person into the club or you let that person well whatever right mm-hmm. um this person decided no man this is this is my shot <laughs> oh and, this is my opportunity and more or less unprompted mm. all right just kind of like a light escalation a light ego escalation uh this guy decides uh, to launch into him and do his martial arts thing oh, and um beats the stuffing out of this guy and then promptly gets fired from that job, okay? Uh, Regardless of that fact, uh, tells me about it and tells me how, yeah, and I totally beat that dude's ass. And And he probably said, hey. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, okay. You look nice tonight. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? (laughs) Uh, And got fired from that job. And I was like, "Uh, okay. Um, He ends up getting another job somehow, Uh similar job. Different company, of and course. A different company, of course. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, similar thing happens. Um, a guy, you know, gets in. But this guy, I think, in the second club, this guy was a much more dangerous person. All right. Uh, I have the feeling that the person that this martial artist assaulted as the security guard uh, the first time was not not like a tough guy. It was mm. just you know. He just assaulted someone 
who said something to him because he didn't like him and he wanted to prove he yeah. he could do his martial arts. The second time, Damn. similar thing happened, but the guy that he did it with was um, like the Wu Tang Clan, ain't nothing to fuck with. <laughs> no. Okay, okay. <laughs> so uh, some words are exchanged. I don't know. The guy wants to come in, and and this this martial artist that I know doesn't want to let him in, and suddenly uh, the guy. M- kind of motions somewhat aggressively and then the martial artist that I know just launches into him. Knocks him back. Kind of basically sucker punches him, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, this is like his big thing. He wants to like try himself out as a martial artist and then ends up getting a job where he can kind of like sucker punch and jump people who are not expecting him to do that, right? Oh, shit. He starts, it starts this back and forth kind of slog between him and this guy here. Hmm. Unbeknownst to the guy that I know. Damn. The other guy, his boys are there. His boys are there. His boys are there. Yeah. All right? That's not surprising. No. Well, it's not surprising for anyone except this person, right? (laughs) Because who thinks he's some kind of superhero, right? Uh, And uh, dude, come one of the guy's boys comes behind him and hits him with something. mm, And then mm. grabs his head and smashes his head into like a railing or a table, breaking his nose instantly. And then suddenly there's this melee and he ends up getting the crap kicked out of him. And he's in the hospital, and he's all, all mm. busted up, broken face, or whatever, right? Because he decided that in his 40s, he needs to start breaking bad, right? And and it was weird, because at that time, you know, I was younger, right? I was, like, yeah. in my early 30s. And it was weird for me to have to tell... Because at that point in my life, in early, I mean, I was still a shithead at 32. I was worried <laughs> I was going to die like Bruce Lee, right? Oh, no. Um, oh, no. Yeah, that's another that's story. The year. And uh, um, but but even at that time, you know, uh, I was like, it it felt strange for me to have to tell someone mm-hmm. who was, let's say, twelve years my senior, things that I f- would probably have to tell someone who was eighteen years old. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the kind of things you would tell some young buck who's a little f- too full of testosterone. Like, yeah. hey, buddy. You might want to take it easy because this is this is not the path to go. Getting security gigs at clubs in Brooklyn Ooh. just so you have the the and you know how wild Brooklyn can get just so that you have the chance to like use your skills might not really be the path you want to go, right? And he ended up, you know, he I think he was emboldened by that first experience, oh. even though he got fired because for him I don't think it was actually about the job or the money. Felt like an Iron Man or something. Yeah, he he beat up the first. He assaulted the first guy. Let's be honest. Damn. All right, and then the second guy he goes to assault. It ends up totally, you know, flipping and burning up in his face. Right. Jeez. And it was weird for me to have to like, like, what do you tell a grown ass man who doesn't understand that? Because. That, I feel, would be a lesson I would have to impart on someone who is 16, 17, 18 years old, maybe. Mm. And then once they're in their 20s, they might still do it, but they know better. But by the time they're in their 30s, they wouldn't do it. And by the time they're in their 40s, they would be horrified at the thought. That behavior tapers off, yeah. Absolutely, right? It should. Um, Yeah. (laughs) As as your balls produce less tea, you start to Uh go, nah, (laughs) (laughs) nah, maybe not. (laughs) Did you uh, visit him in a hospital and tell him this information? No, I saw him him after, right? And I just remember looking at his face and just saying, like, you know, I have to console him because he's someone that I know, but just going like, an idiot yeah, yeah. i mean like come on like, that, like, you that know. shit's real though you know what i mean it's like kind of like he might have been hot-headed but if he i understand what it's like not to get into a fight and then be like mm, you know mm-hmm. it was actually taking up wing chun that helped me deal with that right. you know what i mean because in younger i was a much more timid guy and 
like stronger than most people around me, but like I got my ass beat tons of times because I was always like, oh, I should never hit back and all this right. kind of bullshit, which mm. I later found out was just not actually a real thing. Right. You know what I mean? But like, that's the problem. People get a taste of something and, yeah. older and they feel like <laughs> right. they missed out. Ooh, sure. You know sure. what I mean? It's like, yeah, I've absolutely. Known, you know, I know people who didn't do drugs when they were younger and then in their right. 30s got super fucked up. Yeah. My language yeah. Because sure, sure, sure. Because they're like, oh, my God, I missed this for 20 years. Yes. And then they just go like in. Making up for lost time. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, of course, let's go to a bar. There, there's nothing like fights. there's nothing like early ass kickings in your life to to let you know. That's why I think Man. learning martial arts at a young age is so important because it's really good for understanding and dealing with your ego. If you're successful, maybe, you know, inspiring or you do competitions as a kid or something like that. OK, maybe you, you, you literally learn you win some, you lose some. Sometimes you do fine. Sometimes you get your ass kicked. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a very important lesson to learn very early on because it allows you to make much better assessments as you get older. Because, you know, yeah, on a good day when everything is lined up for me, mm -hmm. I could maybe beat this dude up. If I slip on a banana peel, uh, I, I won't. Yeah. All right. And I think that getting your ass kicked at some point in your life, um, even if it's just it doesn't mean like you get beat up and bloody. They're just saying like someone kind of shows you like reality you, check. Yeah, like if you're like a teenager and then you like, you tussle with an adult and you feel man strength and then it's like, <laughs> Oh, okay. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, uh, I think that that's important. Right. And I think if that doesn't happen until much later, I mm. think then, then there's, there's an incongruence between what you think you can do and, and what you actually should do, right? Hey, Kung Fu Genius listeners. Are you a fan of Wing Chun Kung Fu? Well, if you listen to me, I assume you are. I got great news for KFG fans. Right now, you can get an all-access, one-month free trial subscription to Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Yes, I said free. Go to WCINewsstand.com and register in the upper right-hand corner. Fill out your email and password and use the code KFGTRIAL to get your free trial to all the issues from 2011 to the current issue. That's right all the issues, even the one with this cool guy on the cover. That's me for those of you listening to us on audio. My Kung Fu Genius column is also in all the new issues as if you needed another reason to get this awesome magazine. Go get your free trial subscription today. For all that information, check out the description below. And now back to me. By the way, that whole thing when I turned 32, you know that I'm not a superstitious person, right? Uh, you know, you know that, like, right? Somewhat, yeah. All right. I don't believe in any like weird deities, although I believe in the magical healing powers of the hawk. Okay. Um, okay. But, wow. this, but besides that, that was my hawk impersonation. It was good. Hawk. Wow. Yeah. Um, but besides besides believing in the magical <laughs> healing powers of the hawk, you know, I, I don't I don't believe in any overseeing deities that give a shit about what we're doing. Does day this to hawk day. have a first name? Oh, Mike. Any? Mike. Mike. Uh, All right. Cool. And um, and I also don't believe in uh, uh, you know, and I don't believe in superstitions. I like breaking glass or going under ladders or stuff like that. Like, you guys are such children. That's such a child's joke. All right. That's such a child's joke. I can't take it. All right. I can't take it. Yes. All right. Yes. You know what's weird? We didn't even get to the second question. Yeah, you yet. know we're going through a midlife crisis where you where you laugh at a at a hawk joke. He has a brother called Hunt. Miss yeah, he's good. Like, yeah, yeah, or and he's got another brother. Uh, uh, no, no, never mind. Uh, we're not going there. We're not going there. We're not going there. All right. So uh, anyway, so you know, I'm I'm not like I'm not one for like superstition and stuff mm -hmm. like that, right? Um, but when I turned 32, well, yeah, I was for some odd reason worried I was gonna croak like Bruce Lee at 32. 
that whole year must that have whole been year, brutal. I was nervous, and I was I was also like really disappointed in myself. <laughs> ah, because you know at, at that point you didn't, I had, you didn't achieve enough. At that yeah, point? at that point I had been yeah. teaching. Uh, I had been running City Wing Chun, let's say for seven eight years mm -hmm. and uh, you know the school is doing well but i go like man at this point in bruce lee's life he had already like <laughs> you know even though he wasn't like a, a, a an established martial arts instructor like Ooh. with big schools and stuff like he had yeah. already taught like a bunch of people who are already doing his, their thing and mm -hmm. all these different people he had, like designed his own martial art not that i wanted to design my own martial art, but he had done this he had done all these movies yeah. he had done all this shit and then he dies suddenly at yeah. 32. And at 32, I'm like, you know, enrolling people to join in my Wing Chun school. Wow. And, uh, and the school's doing really well, but I'm like, yeah, I haven't become an iconic movie star yet, right? <laughs> not, not that, but, oh, not that I wanted to be a movie guy, but right. just the idea of like, where, you know, and this is always where I think the source of a lot of people's mm -hmm. pressure and pain, it's always this comparison. Thing, comparison. Right? Like, obviously, yeah. my path is very different than Bruce Lee's, very mm -hmm. different from yours, very different from anyone else's. So the comparison thing is not really a fair thing because uh i had never in my life wanted to be a movie star in hollywood mm -hmm. or a martial arts movie star in hollywood Man. yet i get to 32 and suddenly i'm like i haven't done this stuff that bruce lee did even though that was never my goal or my intention or my path right but i got suddenly for one year in my life mm. really superstitious yeah i thought i wasn't going to make it past my 32nd year and uh, part of it, I don't know, could be in my, my first wife was Taiwanese and Bruce Lee died in the apartment of a Taiwanese oh, woman. And I'm like, and I'm thinking wow. like, oh, my God, I do Wing Chun. Bruce Lee did Wing Chun. All these dots. All right. I'm 32. Bruce Lee was 32. Taiwan, forget it. I'm like, it's over. It's over. <laughs> the dots are connecting I'm going all to, over I'm the place. I'm going to drop dead. All right. <laughs> and so I grew, I got equagesic in the cabinet. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I grew my I grew my hair, my hair out. Oh, like, you know, because Bruce you Lee had... the upside-down teardrop? Bruce Lee had long hair, you know, in the 70s, right? No, don't tell me you had an upside-down teardrop. Uh, no, I, I, I kept... Dude, I turned into Howard Hughes, man. I kept growing <laughs> my hair longer and longer and longer, right? What? And so if you see... I mean, only people who are connected with me on Facebook, if you yeah. look at, like, old-ass photos of me from... Yeah, I guess it would be the late 2000s, yeah. right? When I turned 32. Yeah, 2009, I guess. Um, and uh, I... Uh, I had long, I like, grew my hair long. Right. Damn. Like, I grew my hair, like, like, like down to here. Yeah. All right? Yeah. And um, for some weird reason, even though Bruce never had hair quite that long, it uh -huh. was like this weird, I, I, I felt that Bruce had long hair, he did Wing Chun, he died at 32. If I have long hair, I do Wing Chun, and I survive 32, I've, I've overcome it. I've overcome the curse. All right. This is really like this is great. I'm the least superstitious <laughs> person great. you know. So and great. also, I mean, just to show you what a shithead I was at 32. What what does Bruce Lee dying at 32 have anything to do with me, right? right. It's like you know enough about me. What do you think about me? This is like where yeah. my head was at uh -huh. that time. Like like no, it's all about me right now, right? Um, and so yeah, I grew my hair Ooh. long, and then I I survived my 32nd year. Oh man. And, uh, yeah, then I shaved my head, and that was it, right? <laughs> then I was like, okay, I'm okay, done. Okay, I made it. I, I completely shaved it. It was like renewal. Wow. Um, yeah, but it was, it, was, it was like a strange, strange thing. I'll tell you another funny story, all right? I might have mentioned this on the KFG podcast before. Might have. Might have mentioned it on Dudes of Kung Fu before. Might have. All right? Let's but I think, see. But, but speaking of weird superstitions regarding Bruce Lee's death and, uh -huh. and weird stuff, all right? So I have a friend, and you know who this is. Do oh, not say their name. Yes. Okay, do not say their name, all right? Let's say I have a friend who bears a sh striking resemblance to Bruce Lee, mm -hmm. all right? 
As a matter of fact, the first time I met this guy, I I almost fainted. I'm going to be very honest with you. I almost fainted. It's David Henry Huang, isn't it? It's David Henry Huang. Yes. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, this is Bruce Lee. Just look at his tooth, right? Yeah. And no, all right? And for those of you who don't the know tooth. that reference, you can go back to season one. Yeah. So anyway, I was, I was here at City Wing Chun, you know, long, long time ago. This is late 2000s. And I was there at the front desk. Mm -hmm. And this guy walks in. And wow. he, with the glasses like yeah. Bruce Lee and everything, he looked so much like Bruce Lee. You know, when you when you watch a movie and something miraculous happens, like someone comes back from the dead, or you see someone that should, shouldn't be there, or whatever. Like, you watch a movie and you're like, oh man, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. When something like that happens in real life where you swear, you're looking at someone who should not even be of this earth. Okay. Uh, literally, I got dizzy and I, and I actually took a step back. I was like, what, I was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Because the moment this guy walked in, the hair, the glasses, the gait, how he walked, the way he was dressed, I literally thought Bruce Lee from 1972 just walked, walked in. into my school. Walked in. And, and like, you didn't think it was a prank? No. The entire room spun for a moment and I uh -huh. kind of like, I kind of stumbled back a little bit and uh -huh. then I looked again I realized no this isn't him yeah this is someone who looks like him okay All right like anyway. uh, Bruce Lee Bruce yes. Lee <laughs> no Bruce more Bruce like Lee. no he looks more like <laughs> Bruce Lee than a lot than of those, a lot of those dudes guys, okay right? those, those Lee wow. clones right wow and this was when exactly this is a late time 2000s, frame. late 2000s around the yeah. 32 33 thing going yeah somewhere okay. around there so Probably I might have had year. the long hair then I, yeah I don't know I don't know oh, I can't wow, can't say I can't say for sure so anyway, um, yeah, I started talking to him. Interesting cat. Don't say his name. All right? Don't say <laughs> his name. I can't say his right? name. Stop. Don't say his name. All right? All right. I won't. It, I won't. Surprise, surprise. He's, he's an actor. All right? Oh, okay. New York. And, but he ends, up, he ends up actually becoming a, a friend of mine, right? All good. And um, Never mind that. Yeah. So he... Uh, so, so this guy's really interesting. All right? He was an actor. Uh-huh. Uh, he danced for Madonna on in one of her tours. He's in one of Madonna's music videos. Uh, did stuff on HBO, right? I mean, like, he's he, he's done a bunch of stuff, right? And we, you know, we later became friends and hung out and all that kind of stuff, right? And uh, he he knows Betty Ting Pei. <laughs> okay? All right? And uh, which... Uh, they is an interesting. Wait, they how, know each how other. well do they know? I, each other? I don't know. I don't know. They, they, but they know each other. Mm. Like they, like he, he's met her in Hong Kong. He's got he's photos hung out with, her. with her. He's yeah. slept over. Her yes, I don't. I don't trip. know. About that. No, okay. I don't think so. Right. I don't think so. Right. Um, uh, but uh, from what I understood, mm -hmm. uh, she believed that uh, this friend of mine is, is the, the reincarnation. reincarnation of Bruce Lee. Mm. All right. You don't and, believe in reincarnation, do you? No, I don't believe in reincarnation. <laughs> if I believe in reincarnation, what the hell would that say about who the hell you were in your previous uh, life? Oh, man. All right, to have to be bunch subjected to this, this torture sitting across bunch from me while I spew a bunch of nonsense. Bunch of jackals I was. Yeah. So um, she believed that he was the reincarnation of Bruce Lee. Okay. And she, Betty is supposedly since the death of Bruce Lee, she became a devout Buddhist. Although she, I think she actually became a Buddhist a bit later. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she brought this friend of mine to uh, the Buddhist temple near Lantau Island. You know, the um, the big Buddha, which is a big tourist trap. Yeah. It's like the huge Buddha, right? There's an actual a Buddhist monastery, uh, I think called Paulin, which is uh, connected to that big Buddha over there. Yeah. She brought him to, you know, for, first, I think, to the Peninsula Hotel, which was a hotel that Bruce Lee loved to frequent. He goes there to meet her, 
and he's greeted by like a bunch of Buddhist monks and an abbot from that temple. And he's kind of like taken aback and she basically wants him to be tested by yeah. these Buddhist monks to see if he is in fact evaluated if the, the reincarnation of Bruce Lee. Now, how, how, how Buddhist monks are able to evaluate this. All right. Um, is kind of be- beyond me, right? Okay. Um, but they, apparently... They hit your, hit your uh, kneecap with a little hammer Yeah, or and then they go, aha, he's got the reflexes <laughs> of a kung fu genius. He must be Bruce must Lee, be right? Bruce. So anyway, uh, my friend, this actor, goes to the Buddhist temple. He's got to spend three days there, hmm. okay? And while these monks evaluate him... This is him, insane. This is totally insane, right? Wow. And he has to eat vegetarian food because obviously they're Buddhist monks and he, he's not a vegetarian, so he feels kind of weak. He's kind of lightheaded. He's got to get up every morning and meditate with them. So this is not just like a bunch of monks looking at him and like telling him to open his mouth and say, ah. They're like, he's got to get up. He's got to meditate with them. He's got he's to like Experience eat with them, all this kind this. of stuff. It's totally crazy, right? Yeah. And I guess on the third day, the final day, uh, my friend <laughs> starts getting a headache. All right. No. He's, because, you know, he's getting up every morning. His routine is off. He's eating this food and stuff like that. And he asks <laughs> Betty. <laughs> okay. I shit thee not. Dude. I shit thee not. All right. Don't he asked Betty it. for Don't a headache or Betty it. offers him. She offered it. A, a pill Don't for his headache, it. right? I'm now done. look. I'm done. Now look. I'm leaving. Okay. No, uh, uh, be, uh, <laughs> I can't. Uh, let, let's, just, let's just assess the situation. Okay? All right. All right. Imagine, all right, imagine Dre, okay? You look, you are like, let's just say, I mean, it's being a bit generous because uh, my friend looks like Bruce Lee only Mm -hmm. when he dolls himself up. So in order for him to look like Bruce Lee, he's got to have the glasses on. He's got to do his hair like Bruce. He's got to wear, if he takes his glasses off and doesn't do his hair and and dresses like a normal dude, you Uh wouldn't say, oh, this guy dresses like, this guy looks like Bruce Lee. Okay. He has to actually... He has to have all the accoutrements uh-huh. to look like to look like Bruce Lee. Although one time I went I went down to Chinatown with him, uh-huh. and he did have like his Bruce Lee hairstyle and his glasses or whatever. And two, two NYPD police officers came up and they're like, um, "Sir, do you know you look like Bruce Lee? Can we take a photo with you?" Right? Oh, okay. So so you know it, it's not just like that. He, he yeah. By although the, he doesn't always he doesn't always dress like Bruce Lee, but he does right. sometimes, right? I think it was definitely his shtick for a while. Yeah. So. Uh, all right, Dre. Now imagine you are more or less the spitting image of Bruce Lee. Okay. All right. At least when you're dolled up with hair and makeup and everything, right? And you are hanging out with Betty Tingpei. Mm. And you get a headache like Bruce Lee did on that July day in 1973. Wow. And Betty Tingpei offers you <laughs> some kind of headache pill. All right. Just like she did to Bruce Lee, supposedly. All right? Whether that happened or not or whatever, okay? So, what is it in the movie Point Break? What do you do? What do you do? Or was that Speed? I don't know. It was a Kanunu Reeves film for sure. Well, you sounded like Bill Shatner when you said that. Thank you. Thank you. So, would you take the pill? Knowing the history of Betty Tingpei giving the pill to people who look like Bruce Lee. (laughs) That is a... Would uh, you take uh, that pill? (laughs) <laughs> that is probably the fastest no I would ever say. <laughs> that would that would come out so fat like it would come out before like she even finishes the offer. You'd be like, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh no. Like <laughs> no. <laughs> It'd be crazy fast. Yeah. 
I, I, I'm not taking. I'm not, I'm not gonna take. She's going into the purse. I'm like, like, wait, hey, wait, hey, 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 the, hey. Take, take it, it easy. <laughs> Put that away. <laughs> I ain't taking that. I know your history with Bruce Lee lookalikes and pills <laughs> and headaches. This is not happening. What? Right? Yeah. What? This was the this situation him. he found himself in. <laughs> All right. And he told me this, and I remember like when he told me this setup. Yeah. And he's explaining it to me. I could look at it. He was still, like, I could still see the, tra- I could still but, see the trauma yeah. of him be- essentially reliving this, yeah, the, this, what, what should be a really difficult situation, right? I need him to tell story right? live. I need you know, I, I'm, story. I'm curious. Can you get him on the show? I don't know, man. That would be great. He's, he's, he's an actor. He's a character. He's very, you've met him before. He's, he's, very, he's very kind of Hollywood. He's awesome guy. Awesome and, character. And those, you know, and I love him to death, mm-hmm. but they tend to be a little... Head in the clouds, yeah. so I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, if I got him on the podcast, mm-hmm. it would be unlike the normal tight sets. What uh. we're talking about this now. The question was about realistic fight scenes, <laughs> and now I'm talking about <laughs> Bruce Lee death. <laughs> super, we're still on the first one, right? This has question. nothing to do with the first question, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> n- not like the tight ship that is the Kung Fu genius. Right. I have a feeling <clears throat> that if I actually got him on. It would be Dre be, for a day. It would be the most meandering nonsense you've ever. <laughs> Dre heard. for a day. He has he has the questions right here. I don't I don't know if that format would work. <laughs> I don't know if that format would work. All right, I do it. Don't get me wrong. I love him to death. The people would love it. I don't know, man. It. I don't know. Okay, people. well, all right, guys, okay, chime so in. His chime thing. in. Should right. I do an episode of the Kung Fu Genius with someone? Now, mind you, he doesn't really look like. So, to be fair, because I yeah. don't want anyone to be disappointed. Yeah, he, you look, he's, 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 look, he's look more like this. First of all, that was we're, we're talking about twelve years ago okay. when he, he, he definitely was, went through a Bruce Lee phase. He's not in that phase anymore. Okay. He doesn't actually look like Bruce Lee. All right. Mm-hmm. Anymore. He used to. All right. If he wears sunglasses, he might give a little bit of a vibe. But I'm just going to tell you right now, he doesn't look exactly like Bruce Lee. He's not Bruce Lee vibe. Like, oh, dude doesn't look like Bruce Lee. He or whatever, had the vibe, right? though. Okay. But nice. he's, you know, he's a bit of a, he's an actor. Yeah. And actors tend, to, you know, the weird thing about him is that he'll sometimes tell me the wildest stories. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, no way is this story true. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then something will come up. And it would confirm it. And he'll confirm it, and I'll be like, oh, my God. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Somebody's got to write this guy's life story, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if when I went through my weird, uh, uh-huh. when I was 32, when I went yeah. through this overcoming boost That's when thing, that came up. I'm no, sure no, no, that's just saying, no, no, if, if, if when around. I was in that phase, yeah. if Betty had offered me a headache, oh, but like, what would I have I probably would have melted into yeah. a puddle of just scared nonsense. Yes. Oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yo, so I oh. want to bring it back around here. Bring it back we are, around. We are meandering off. Except it's Same fantastic. Same question. Right? Except fantastic. But I think it wouldn't be such a bad idea that if we could do a reaction video to actual, and when I say realistic, I mean realistic fight scenes. So there has to be like a, a, a standard that says that we can't hey. have anything that comes out of like, you know, martial arts movies or anything mm. like that. Let's see how realistic, actual realistic fight scenes are, right? I would love it. And then the second thing is, just while I was looking online, I found that... Uh, bum fights? There were no. <laughs> bum fights would be amazing. Oh, my God. <laughs> very 2000s. Yeah, but you know, very 2000s. I think, I think we would get canceled for even talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I happened to like look up, because I was trying to find some good ones, that uh-huh. top, some 
nonsense like website the top nonsense twen- top 20 greatest and in parenthesis most realistic movie fight scenes of all the time oh. and apparently the fight between bruce lee and bob wall made it to number seven oh. as a realistic wow. fight as a realistic yeah. fight yes uh, where he just wing chuns his ass at the beginning mm-hmm. and then um, kicks him in the balls after Bob Wall. So let, let's look at the highlights of that fight scene, yeah. all right? They start in a cross-handed position, which is very atypical of fighting, but I guess that was the setup in the... Uh, in the in, <laughs> well, you know, what's, you know what you see? Like, okay, wh- why are they starting with their hands crossed? All right, Because Bruce needed to figure out a way to make Wing Chun work in that fight scene. <laughs> Right. Okay. So, so how are you going to make Wing Chun work uh-huh. against Bob Wall? You got to set it up that yeah, way, right? Other, otherwise, it it's going to be very artificial looking, right? Mm. And then he Wing Chun's his ass like on in three beats, you know, pack back fist, and does it twice, and then and then Bob Wall blocks like the third time, and then he goes low high, and then back fist, right? Mm. And then Bob Wall gets pissed and grabs his leg. There's the back flip kick. Which is so realistic, Bruce Lee couldn't even do it himself. <laughs> oh, All right, he yes. had to get Yoon Wa, the stunt, his yes. stunt guy, to do it. Right? Wow, it's number and then, seven. Yeah, and then after that, you know, he gets uh, he, Bob Wall gets pissed and uh, charges Bruce Lee with a jump sidekick, mm-hmm. and Bruce goes on his back and kicks Bob Wall in the balls. All right, he up kicks him in the balls. Right. The and timing. Then, is and then and then they're standing, youth. and then they're kind of bobbling back and forth. Right. And Bruce, you know. Gives him some quick kicks, quick spinning back kick, and basically embarrasses the crap out of him, right? And um, then eventually runs at him with that side kick and then just kicks him right through <laughs> through the, the wall of dudes. extras. And yeah. you have um, the late Lam Ching Ying catching mm. Um, mm. Bob Wall, but also the um, stuntman Zhang Wing Han. Churn Wing Yeah, Hong. he was one of the those guys there. He's also back there catching Bob mm-hmm. Wall. And I met Churn Wing Hong a few years ago in Hong Kong when I met Siu Hao, right? And uh, he's a veteran stunt guy. He also did a lot of Golden Harvest stuff with Jackie Chan or whatever. And he, he told, like, I asked him a lot about being on the set of Enter the Dragon. And there's some so photos of, of Bruce hol- uh, holding a kick in front of him while he's wearing the Han karate outfit, you know? And he's very proud of that. He has it on his phone. Mm. Like, mind you, he's worked with Jackie and Sammo and all these guys. He's a, he's like a, a he's like one of the senior stunt guys in Hong Kong now. I mean, he doesn't do it actively. But after his entire body of work doing stuff like Police Story with Jackie Chan, oh, wow. like 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 epic stunt stuff, he got the resume. He's got the resume. When you hang out and have dim sum with him now, he's like, "Yo, I was yeah. in Enter the Dragon." Wow. You know what I mean? Like like wow. he he's literally. I think he's in the bus scene with the double decker yeah. bus scene with with Jackie Chan yeah, I was in, in just Police thinking Story, about right? That scene. But like he will still go. I, I, I was one of Han's guys in Enter the Dragon, right? So, like, think about right. that, to have that early right. on. And he was the one who told me how how great Bruce was to the stunt guys and fighting to make sure that they got good food and that he would yell at Raymond Chow in front of the stunt guys. And, and often during the break, he wouldn't go into his office, he would into his trailer or whatever. He would, he would just the sit there and hang guys. with those guys, right? And he told me that of all the guys he ever worked with, that Bruce Lee was, he was the nicest to all the stunt guys, right? Mm. Um so yeah, anyway, um, that fight, so then Bob Wall gets kicked, and then Bob Wall gets pissed, he goes up, he grabs and smashes the bottle, and then attacks Bruce with the bottle. Bruce kicks it out of his hand, and then gives him that roundhouse kick where he's got the padding in his uh, in his sock that everyone's seen, mm-hmm. uh, and then jumps up and crushes him, mm. all right? 
And there's nothing remotely realistic about that fight scene. <laughs> Not right. according okay. to this synopsis. Here, All right. So right? What, uh, what other what other realistic what other realistic fight scenes are on there too? Oh and my this. god! Well, By the okay. way, shout out to the Kung Fu Genius who had all the choreography of the Bruce Lee Bob Wall hey. fight in his head. Hey. All right. Yes. What else we got? What else we got? Let me see. Um, I've, do you ever see End of Watch? No. Okay, so that's like that. End Butch, of Watch. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. A uh, long, long time ago. But who's I in I End of Watch again? I couldn't comment. That. Oddly enough. Um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid was inspiration for the end of Fist of Fury where Bruce runs out uh, to the firing squad and then jumps and then gets shot because it's essentially, spoiler alert, what happens at the end of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. They go out in a blaze of glory, right? Yeah. What else you got? Warrior. You know, Tom Hardy. Uh, uh, No, actually, you know what? I didn't see that. Okay. Blood on the Sun, 1945 with Jimmy Cagney. Oh, there's a judo scene. Yes. Making full use of judo throws, dirty boxing and rear naked chokes. Yeah, yeah. I I, I have seen that scene, but it's been a number of years since I saw it. So Uh I would have to watch it again to comment on it. But I I do know about the judo in there. Yeah, they put all the the, the, um, YouTube videos up on this thing. Mm. So maybe like that. Yeah, maybe (laughs) that'll be a good Mm. video in the future. My Bodyguard, which is... It says it's Matt Dillon's film debut, so it's all the way back in 1980. Uh-huh. Is, that. It be- is it better? Is it better than is it better than singles? Uh, and uh-huh. No. Anyway, um, two John Wick. <laughs> oh yeah, very realistic. Totally realistic. No one's wow. going to argue with John Wick. Uh-huh. Oh, number one, yes. Lethal Weapon, and it has to be the one. Yeah, it's the one where he fights Gary Busey right at the end. Does he have a triangle choke at the end? Um, or an arm lock because I know that he was training with Horry and Gracie back there for like mm, one of those and he had like yeah, he put, yeah. did like a sloppy triangle choke or yeah, something yeah yeah like he puts him into an arm lock if I remember right rightly, or something like that yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. No, like knocks him out and then right at the end Gary Busey wakes up pulls the gun out of like one of the guys that's gone like, goes to shoot him and he turned around and right yeah. super yeah. realistic yeah. realistic alright we gotta add some gunshots so anyway, to that um, what's the uh, second question for today <laughs> <laughs> What are we talking about? It's not a sad trombone. That was a great first question. Yes. Oh, that question will reign supreme for yes. some time. And you know it was great? It wasn't even a question. It wasn't even a question. It, that's the best part about All it. All right. So if you guys really want, if, if you guys <laughs> comment below and you want me to really talk about whatever you want me to talk about, don't write it in the form of a question. Just write a that's statement. Secret. Yeah. And then I can spend 50 minutes <laughs> talking about it, right? That is the secret. What else we got? Oh. Hey, Kung Fu Genius listeners. If you're a Wing Chun practitioner, especially from the WT or Learn Ting line, and want to get really personalized immersion training with me, you can now apply to do an immersion course with me here in NYC, or if you like the sun, in my Florida home near Orlando. These courses are for instructors or anyone who's serious about learning the art in detail and working hard. I teach in program blocks like Siunam Tao, Chamkyu, Buji, Wooden Dummy, and those include the Chi Sao theory, fighting applications, and training methods as well. If you're really serious about learning Wing Chun, check out the link in the description below to find out about applying for a spot. For those of you who are not quite ready to do full private immersion training, you can also apply for a spot at either our winter or summer intensive training camps. We have a few spots available for non-city Wing Chun students, so apply today. A link for those options are in the description below. And now back to me. All right. Next up, Andrew Lin. Andrew Lin. I've heard of this guy. Yeah. He's a frequenter. Frequenter. Okay. So uh, do you know if Bruce Lee closely monitored his diet calorie intake to complement his strength training routine? Whoa, that's interesting. 
so I, I don't really know that that's a better question for John Little because mm -hmm. John Little has more access to that kind of stuff. What I do know is Bruce definitely was big on protein intake, all right, especially if you're lifting more weights, you want to make sure that you're getting enough protein for, you know, muscle development. If you don't have enough protein, you, you may not be able to, to, to build muscle. Mm -hmm. So I do know that Bruce was like that his protein intake, cause he was taking protein shakes and then he did experiment with uh, blending like a hamburger or blending some beef or something like that. Right. The, those stories, which, that. which later became the rumor that he drank cow's blood or something like that. Right? <laughs> um, and, wow. and, and so uh, I do know that he was, he, he took a lot of supplements and he was, I definitely worried about protein intake but i don't know if his overall caloric intake was something that he paid a lot of attention to obviously he he, he wasn't like a big junk food eater and you could look at his body especially in uh, during the time in hong kong he was extremely lean um we have a couple theories for why he might be so lean well one i mean one to be fair his his it's not just the cocaine stuff it's not it's not to clown him or whatever right uh certainly with the revelations of the cocaine use um his uh stripping away of water weight and and that kind of look that he had um mm -hmm. can be better explained uh through just regular use of cocaine in those rock star diet yep um, but also, let's not forget that he had a he had a breakneck work schedule and work ethic during that time, where he's he's still training, uh, he's still lifting weights, he's still hitting the bag, he's still working, you know, improving his martial prowess, and he's shooting films and writing and doing mm -hmm. press stuff or whatever. So, like from morning to night, you can imagine he had a very packed schedule. So he's extremely active. Plus, um, you know, John Little is also of the opinion that. The extreme heat in Hong Kong is uh, one of the reasons why, you know, he's sweating a lot. He's losing a lot of interstitial water weight. So he's relatively striated because he's constantly like somewhat dehydrated or whatever. Although Tom Bleeker's idea is that because he's taking all these diuretics and the mm -hmm. cortisone and stuff like that. Although that doesn't really that doesn't really seem to line up. It, it, it was a nice theory at the time, but it, it's kind of it's got chewed away by the the, the cold light of the Internet. Yeah. Um, so there's a number of reasons why he stayed really lean. I don't know if that was pure caloric intake, uh, like if he was super worried about how many calories he was consuming, right? Also, don't forget that if you are more active, you need to consume more calories, all right? Especially okay. if you want to keep on um, muscle mass, right? So it's, you can't just eat protein. You need to make sure that you're consuming enough calories for your energy expenditure, especially if he's hitting the bag and doing stuff like that. And you need that for muscle development. If you're not eating enough, you're not going to grow muscle and you're not going to have any energy to do stuff. So, um, but I don't know if, I don't know how calculating he was on like uh, calories and stuff. Remember also at that time, it's not like now you have calorie, you have, you have the calories of everything written Everywhere you you go to yeah, you go to a coffee shop a nowadays. Yeah, it wasn't even a thing that many years ago, right? Mm -hmm. You go to a coffee shop and like it'll tell you on the menu how many calories that coffee has, right? That wasn't the case, so I don't know how accurate people could have been anyway trying to count that stuff back All in those right. days, right? You would have to be a real circus freak <laughs> with like a with like a book of like a calorie counter right. book like to figure that out, right? Um, I've seen the receipts of some of Bruce Lee's meals. That okay. he had during his time in Hong Kong, uh, namely at I think at the Peninsula Hotel and also elsewhere, and uh, it's it's difficult to say 
because like you know the the receipt is quite long so obviously he's probably eating with other people with other people but i'm just going to say from and of course that does it this doesn't prove anything because if i saw two receipts well i'm looking at two meals he had in a two and a half year period in hong kong or one and a half year period in hong kong that doesn't mean that you know you always have to be careful when people are like oh well i saw a receipt and it had this and then some somehow people take that to mean that that was always the case right uh, but from the receipts that i did see and also the photos that I've seen of him at restaurants, um, it didn't seem like he really paid that much attention to it. Like he seemed to just eat whatever eat. the hell he felt like. Yeah. And eat, um, you know, he ate a lot of Chinese food. He liked beef with oyster sauce was his, one of his favorite dishes. Mm-hmm. And um, You know what they call Chinese food in Hong Kong, right? Food. It's my joke. Actually, it's not my joke. It's I think it's a Jerry. It's an old Seinfeld joke. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, or or no, I mean, it might even be from the from Family Guy. Okay. Um, and or both. It, yeah, or both. Um, but it, one of the receipts I saw, mm-hmm. there was a crap ton of food on there. Whew. But of course, you don't know how many people was he eating with. You know what I mean? And maybe like the stuff on there that was like super fatty or whatever might have been for Raymond Chow or might have been mm. for someone else, right? Mm. But from the, from the impression I get, I don't think that Bruce was there with a calorie counter, worried about that stuff. Bruce actually had the opposite problem. Um, there, uh, I have a copy of a doctor's note, which was the doctor that uh, removed his sweat glands. Hmm. And that he went, I think it was around November of 1972. So it was November, the year before he died. And um, one of the complaints that Bruce had, one of the reasons why he went to the doctor, is specifically he was having a hard time keeping weight on. Keeping weight on. All right. Hmm. So uh, he, he was losing weight. He was a buck 20 something at the doctor hmm. in November of 72. So this is after Way of the Dragon, which in my opinion, I think he looked best in Way of the Dragon. Like I liked his body composition there best. Some people okay. like it in Fist of Fury. I actually don't think there's a big difference. I think people don't account for the difference in lighting and sets thinking like, oh, his body was vastly different between these two films. They're actually not really that different. Um, but I know the moment I say that, people are going to be butthurt in the comments. There's really not a big difference between Bruce Lee's body in Fist of Fury and Way of the Dragon. It's okay. just that Way of the Dragon has this iconic shot where he's on the balcony like this, and you could okay. see how big his lat spread was, but that doesn't mean that he was like a totally different dude from the previous film he just made, right? Um, because Bruce clearly had a problem keeping on weight and why we can say clearly because there's a doctor's note where he complained to the doctor about not it was he had he had a couple issues one he went to the doctor on that particular occasion with three problems one was the excessive sweating all right uh the second one was his inability to keep on body weight he just was losing weight and wasn't able to keep it on and the third one was acne okay all right um which is i think why some people have postulated that he, he might have been taking anabolic steroids or whatever but uh that uh, he didn't have back knee all right <laughs> you know acne on your back right it was on his face all right, all right. um and and, and so I, I i don't see that and also when you look at his body i mean he, i believe if you look at the steroids at that time uh maybe with the exception of uh anavar why do i know about that because i've actually done the research on this because people hey, people yeah. say this shit all the time so i'm like all right let me you know watch like coach greg videos and more plates more dates uh-huh. so i would get some information about anabolic steroids so i could then anavar yeah because i think that was one of the main ones that was around at that time hmm. um uh, I, it, it doesn't really seem like if bruce was taking the shit that was available at that time 
Uh, extreme weight loss and striation doesn't really seem like that would be the result. John Little changed my mind in real time on that podcast we did about Bruce Lee's training uh, methodology. Because um, okay. I was like, oh, you know, when Bruce Lee came to Hong Kong, suddenly he became this big jack dude or whatever. And he actually showed me a photo of Bruce Lee in 1969, which is before Bruce went to Hong Kong, yeah. where Bruce had his shirt off. And he's like, look at his pec development. Look at the size of his shoulders. Look at the size of his arms. He goes... It's the same as in Fist of Fury. What, what I think people don't realize is Bruce was one of these guys who, when he's at rest, he doesn't look that big because he wasn't a big guy at all. I mean, he was 5'7 mm -hmm. and he was very small. You remember when we went to Hong Kong and yeah. we saw the mannequins with his clothing? With clothes. I mean, it we go to the, the Hong Kong, the Bruce Lee exhibit. clothing. Yeah, the Bruce Lee exhibit in Hong Kong at the Hong Kong Heritage Museum. They have his clothing on mannequins, like mm -hmm. actual clothing that was worn by Bruce Lee. And it's behind a glass case and it's actual size. And when you stand in front of it, you stand in front of Bruce Lee, a mannequin of Bruce Lee. Mm -hmm. His shoulders actually were very narrow. Like when, when you look at it, you go like, because uh, I'm also 5'7". Yeah. But Bruce Lee could fit inside me, no problem. All right, like with plenty of space. All right, that because could sound so wrong. Whatever. All right, <laughs> get your mind out of the gutter, Brit. All right, uh, his his shoulders were very narrow. His mm -hmm. waist was really small. So I think when Bruce was relaxed, you know, he didn't he didn't look like big or puffed up or anything like that. But when he did his lat spread and then tenses the head of his shoulders, it changes his shape dramatically, right? And so when I saw this photo of Bruce Lee in 1969 with his shirt off, and John Little was like, look at his actual size, like his chest, his shoulders. He goes, that's the same size he always was. Hmm. The difference is that when he was in Hong Kong, he got a lot more striated, meaning that there was less fat and less water, so you could see the muscles more. Wow. All right, but... There's no actual size difference. Bruce's clothing size did not change from his time in L.A. to his time in Hong Kong. He wore the same size clothing. As a matter of fact, he sometimes even wore Linda's stuff. Okay. They, 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 you can actually find photos of Bruce Lee wearing like this pullover. And in another photo, you see Linda's wearing it because he, he could actually fit in her stuff. Hmm. Um, because you, I mean, he was not a big dude at all. So this idea that he was like suddenly taking all these steroids when he was in Hong Kong... And getting huge and jacked, look, with lighting and with flex, you can look like a totally different person. You even know, like, when we go upstairs and we work out, right? Yeah. If you're like this and then you ha you look normal, you take a photo, you don't look like anything, right? Yeah. You get that over lighting, you, you, you flex out like this, you turn yeah. and you twist your body, suddenly you look like a totally different person, okay. right? Muscles um, popping all over the place. Yeah, and, and, and so th this idea that Bruce suddenly became super, super jacked. Is I, I was wrong about it because I was one of the people who believed that, like that there was this huge change in his body composition when in reality he was just he was just more emaciated later on and just better at posing, you know, in, 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 in front of the camera. Right. So being that Bruce went to the doctor with uh, this problem of keeping body weight on. I think if anything, Bruce would probably try to eat more. So like mm -hmm. that receipt that I saw, which just looked like he was gorging himself yeah. on food. If that was just him eating all that food, that would I wouldn't I wouldn't know. I wouldn't be surprised because okay. he was probably trying to gain weight because mm. he could not gain weight. He went to the doctor because he couldn't gain weight. So I would be under the impression that he was probably trying to eat more for the sake of gaining weight. Hmm. All right, because he he's he's trying to add weight. So wow. yeah. But I don't know. That's a question that better for John Little.
All right. All right. What else we got? One more? We got time? Yeah, we got Maybe time. two more. Mm-hmm. Maybe two. Okay. It depends. Okay. I mean, we Depends been... how long I answer. Yeah. <laughs> There's not another statement on there, right? Otherwise, yeah. we're here for another hour. We got hour. time for half a, half a question more. Dario Torres. All right. God, I thought it was going to be a Dreisen question yeah, for so a moment. Did I. I was just like, can you imagine two actual questions and a Dreisen, and that's the whole episode? No. I commit yeah, Harry he Carey right he here. Didn't, he didn't send anything in the comments All right, let's for go. some reason. Let's go. Or, or that dreadful Dr. Eisen. Oh, God. What's his deal? I don't know what his deal is. He's, well, he's, he's got some very dubious credentials. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Dreisen likes you. Dr. Eisen does not. No, he definitely doesn't like you. He doesn't me. like you. All right, yeah. That's interesting. Dario Torres. All right. Question. Mm-hmm. Among all the mysteries surrounding Chinese martial arts, especially Wing Chun good old days, mm-hmm. one thing that always intrigued me was the real fighting skills of the late Grandmaster Yip Man. Is there any information about that or about this topic? I know it's not an easy subject due to the big lack of data and a lot of misconceptions, but I still would love to hear your take on it. Thank you, Sifu, and shout out to everybody on the team. Mm, awesome. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. That's a great question. I mean, we just recently did part one. Did of, it air yet? Well, by the time this one comes out, it should have. That's how orders work, Trey. That's how it works. Right. Oh, you're Yo, right, Mikey, you're can right. you explain normal shit to him after this podcast? <laughs> normal, All right. Yes, we shit. recorded that episode before this one we're recording now. Mm-hmm. So the assumption is that one will come out before this one. I would hope All right? so. Okay. <laughs> Unless we decide to shelve it or bench it for a later date or something, right? Yeah, which right. gets happened. These yes. cows are small. Those ones are far away. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's go on. So uh, we did part one of the, the history of Yip Man, mm-hmm. all right? And then who knows how many other parts we're going to do. Two, three, whatever. Um, basically, long-ass episodes saying, I don't really know, but this is what I heard. I don't really know, but this is what I heard, all right? So we will get to the fighting exploits of Yip Man in those upcoming episodes, because mm-hmm. the first episode, which we already recorded, basically I talked about Yip Man's history before coming to Hong Kong permanently in 1949. So we talked about when he was learning from his first Sifu, Chan Wachon, and then his seeing Mun Chong So, and then supposedly this meeting with Leung Bik, which was supposedly uh came to be because of a fight Yip Man had with a Pakistani cop. There was a Pakistani cop beating up a Chinese woman, and then mm-hmm. Yip, Yip, the young, fiery Yip Man came and bloodied that guy's face, and then word of this exploit got to Leung, ja, or Leung Bik, and then Leung Bik taught him or something like that. But again, who the hell knows if any of this stuff is, is true, right? I because, don't know. Well, here's the thing, Dre. If that story happened three weeks ago and someone was telling it now, there would already be some bullshit in that story. Okay. Okay. Now we're talking about, uh, okay, this story happened in, what, 1910, 1912, okay? Now I'm going to tell you this is exactly how it happened. And there are no eyewitnesses and no primary sources for this story, right? So the, the truth is that we don't know, and that's what makes it difficult. Of course, with the Yip Man movies, the Yip Man movie narratives are slowly starting to overtake the real life story of Yip Man. So we have, I guess you could call it the Wong Fei Hong effect <laughs> of when you have a real person who is now so highly fictionalized by so many films that fictionalized narrative takes the front seat over the real story, right? Like, what do we actually know about the real Wong Fei Hong? Well, you have to go to some Hong Kong people so that they could tell you some kind of sort of maybe stories they might know that were passed down. 
Um, but if you ask the average martial arts buff about Wong Feihong, probably more than half of what they tell you is probably just re-engineered nonsense from Kwanda King films or Jet Li or something like that, right? And I think that, you know, give another 10, 15 years and then most of what people quote-unquote know about Yip Man is, is some variation of something that happened in his films, right? Because people look at the films and then go... What is the real version of this? And they try to deconstruct that and then make a real story out of the fake shit that's in the movies instead of going, no, don't, don't, don't take the movies as a guide. Try to actually do some research on the real story. So the things that we don't really know that, you know, when Yip Man was younger, supposedly, obviously he was scrappier. I think what people always forget about Yip Man, and maybe this is a fault of the Donnie Yen movies, is that by the time Yip Man came to Hong Kong and started teaching Wing Chun, he was already kind of an old guy. Hmm. All right. Old. I mean, you know, I don't mean actually old. back then, especially. No, I mean, in, in the sense of like, this is not a 20 something or 30 something opening a martial arts school. He was in, like 58. In, in his, yeah, he was like in his late 50s when he started teaching. So all these stories about Yip Man fighting in the 50s, I go like, dude, he was like in his 60s at that time. <laughs> Who's he fighting with? Okay. He? Yeah. Yes. I mean, maybe Leung Sung wanted to test him out and then Yip Man, you know, deflected his attacks and showed him what was up or whatever. And, and then that's why Leung Sung joined or whatever. But th- uh, this doesn't uh. mean that this was an all out uh, fight that happened in, in 1949 or 1950 between Yip Man and, and, and a curious Leung Sung, right? Like this was some kind of, they're locked in a cage trying to kill each other so much as like, okay, uh, um, you do martial arts, okay, the, you know, he throws a couple punches at him and Yip Man deflects it and then, you know, puts his hand on his face and then, oh, he goes, <laughs> okay, all right, this guy knows what he's doing, I'm going to learn from this guy. Like, is that a fight fight or is that just kind of a, well, let me see what you can do. Oh, this guy knows something, I'm mm. going to go and follow him, right? I think that the idea is that these were like really I, I think that they become more serious in hindsight than they actually were when these things happened, right? Most of the fighting, I really believe, occurred between Yip Man's students like Wong Sun and these guys against the other Kung Fu people, not so much Yip Man himself. He was an old guy at that point, right? Okay. So we've heard some stories about him being feistier when he was younger. And then there's there's the story that, you know, he, he someone pulled a gun on him and then, he you know, he held the... Um, the chamber with his fingers keeping the gun from rolling, which they actually used that in the first Yip Man movie, which was kind of a based on a real story-ish, right? And then there was uh, uh, some, some supposedly in Fatsan, there was like some somebody who came from some northern style and then Yip Man beat him. So some things that were then loosely interpreted into the Yip Man films, but how do we know any of that stuff is true, right? These are just stories that are told and told again and told again, right? So... Um, the truth is we don't we don't really know. <laughs> That's right? the truth. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I what I do find kind of interesting is that you know you, you have to kind of look at someone's character over. Uh, you, you you have to when you don't really know about someone and you want to get a picture of them, especially someone like Yip Man, of which we have very little video footage. There's no audio interviews with him. There's only a couple magazine interviews. You have to kind of piece that together and kind of look at it collectively to get a vibe of what he was like. But then again, you don't know how much of that, of what he, what was written about him, or in, even in those interviews he did, was also re-engineered by the editor. You don't know, all right. Okay. But I get the impression from what Yipman wrote that he he doesn't give the impression of someone who was prone to exaggeration. You know he. Um, he admits that, you know, when he was younger and he was feisty and then he met Leung Bik and 
and he tried to fight him and Lone Bick beat him and stuff like that. And people who can like admit that they were beaten at some point in their life, I think <laughs> it tends right. to have a little bit more credibility than the guy who just talks about what an ass kicker he always was. Um, and then uh, Yip Man, in his first interview, he talks a lot about uh, fighting someone who's very powerful, how you have to be flexible in footwork, and so we and and you have to move and all those kind of things. And and those are words from someone who most likely had had some experience, right? Okay. Because it's only the fantasists that believe that you know someone is going to come and try to murder your face with their fists, and you're going to stand there and root your power into the ground and take all that force and put it into the floor. It's like no. If someone put, if I put boxing gloves on someone of decent athleticism in front of most of these kung fu guys, and they start, the guy with the boxing gloves starts swinging. You see that kung fu guy move? He's not going to stand there and try to hold onto the person's arms mm. and push him back or something like that. Get out of here! All right. Um, Yip Man was someone who talked about how your footwork needs to be mobile and flexible, and you have to avoid the the power of the opponent, stuff like this, and you know, basically get your body offline to whatever's coming at you. Um, and and these are things that are these are these are things that anybody with experience is going to say. These are not the 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 nonsense drivelings of a fantasist like a Frank Dukes or something like that, right? So um, so I, I think when you look at that stuff collectively, I think you get the impression that Yipman was not someone who was really prone to bullshit and uh, ov- overplaying things or whatever. Now some of his students certainly were, mm-hmm. but I don't think Yipman himself was that way. So, yeah, that's my observation. Mm. Uh, let's mm. see. Ooh, I think maybe a super short one is all we got. Ooh, super short. Let's uh, see. By the way, Frank Dukes is not a fraud. How dare you? <sighs> all right. TT. All right. What's your take on Adam Chan's theory regarding WTWC having more Hakka and less Cantonese origin, but lacking the intended shocking energy in the striking techniques, A's, Razor, and all of that? Sorry if you already addressed this and I missed it, and maybe you can use the Dryzen time machine to go check this out. Great podcast. Keep up the good work, guys. That's a great question. I have but a little, it's not. A little, I have a little bit of uh, uh, experience with Hakka martial arts. Okay. But we have five minutes left in this podcast. <laughs> oh, no. And this is, you, the, uh, we're like, hey, let's yeah. wrap it up with a quick one. Yeah, and then you yeah. throw that one. Let's mm. hold that one for a future date because that's all I got to say about that. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu Genius. As always, don't forget to like this video, subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius, write in the comments below any questions you want me to answer on a future episode. And as always, I'll see you guys next time. Word is I'm a Kung Fu genius. Technique speaks for me, not lineage. Forget Jet Li, cause I'm the one. Many call me Sifu, but to you I'm Seagung. And I produce masters. You surpassed us. Your Kung Fu stiffer than corpse and caskets. City Wing Chung is the house I built. Violate the gate and your blood gets spilt. Alex Richter, always the victor. So, um... I totally forgot what the hell I was talking about. (laughs) All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems. Lots of realistic fight scenes. Lots of, if Betty Ting Pei gave you a headache pill, would you take it? Let's get to it.
<laughs> Wait, what was that? Close. Close. But no cigar. Oh, no. Not even a blunt. I mean, uh, cigar. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, 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 this is a fact. Oh, no, it's legal now. You can it. <laughs> it's so it's legal. Fine, you know what so I mean? legal. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, sorry, Seagong. I know you got to go teach. So, anyway, let's do it again. All right? <laughs> Why is Seagong so dude, slouching? He is, and... he is angry with you right now. Look yeah. at him. He's seething. Yeah, you I'm can't sorry. even speak. All right. Come on, get it done, Dre. All right. Lots of gems. Lots of realistic fight scenes. Lots of if Betty Tay Ping gave you. Who's what? Betty Tay Ping? Betty Ping Tay? Betty Tay Ping? Ting Pei. Betty Ting Pei. Betty Ting Pei. For so long and still not know that name. Betty Ting Pei. Yeah, he said Betty Tay Betty Ting Pei. Ting Pei. Betty Ping Tay. Ting Pei. Betty Ting Pei. Lots of gems. Lots of realistic fight scenes. Lots of, if Betty Ting Pei gave you a headache medicine, would you take it? Should be a headache pill, not a headache medicine. A headache medicine. I think if we... Betty Ting Pei gave you headache medicine or gave you a headache pill, but not a headache medicine. Ready? Headache pill or headache tablet. <laughs> I'm going to try to go for headache tablet. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Come Chu Jam Gujish. Nice! Wow, very good, very good. Fist bump time. What happened to people you don't want to clap? Yeah, look, he did it. He got it right. He's he's still pissed. Yeah, I think he's not talking to you for a while, son. (laughs) (laughs) All right, okay. Oh, 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 oh,